Okay. Hey, everybody. Uh, it's Will, and thanks for listening today. I'm very excited to have Chick Evans on the phone. Uh, Chick's in Ithaca, New York. He owns Maxie's Supper Club, and I say he's in Ithaca. He's there today. He's at the restaurant. He's there in the office, but he also he lives in Chicago. And um, Chick's been around in the business for a long time. He's done a lot of really cool things, and uh, I, I'm just excited to have some of his time today. And Chick, thank you for, for joining us, man. Will, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I think it's going to be fun. So I got to ask. So, so what, you, tell me about living in Chicago and owning a restaurant in Ithaca. What's what's the story, man? How, tell tell me about uh, how that all works. Well, it's uh, it 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 certainly a uh, uh, has its challenges. Um, excuse me, I had a little frog in my throat. Uh, the uh, I've got a great team in Ithaca. And uh, we've been at it for about 18 and a half years now since we opened Maxi's. And uh, I was active on site here uh, for the first, uh, oh, about 12 years I lived in Ithaca. And now it's been about six years out of Ithaca in Chicago. And uh, over the years, you know, as, you know, when we opened, of course, I was here seven days a week, 15 hours a day, you know, Working, working the operation, and then uh, over the years, uh, we when we opened, we, we we brought in a full management team to start. I actually started the business back in '99 with uh, uh, Dewey, who is uh, my ex-wife now, but she was my business partner and wife at the time. You know, so we were we were we were on hands-on uh, from the get-go, and then uh, uh, but brought in managers and chefs right from the start, and with the plan that we needed to have a life that we were gonna not be people that had to be here seven days a week. So over the course of the years, uh, we developed a, a management team, and we still have actually two people from our uh, opening team who were managers from the get-go. Uh, my sister, uh, Karen, who lives in Buffalo, and she comes down to Ithaca for two days a week. Um, and we also have our general manager, Carol, who actually started as a server when we when we op- uh, about a month after we opened and did, has done every job in the restaurant, including working her way up to being our executive chef, and now she's our GM. Uh, so we have we have some uh, longevity on the management team uh, that has uh, that oversees you know the day to day operations, uh, and they also have assistant managers and uh, you know a sous chef, chef de cuisine in the kitchen. Um, so we have a, a strong uh, leadership team that we've developed, and I think it's, you know, I think the thing that's freed me up to allow me to be in Chicago, and the reason I'm there is actually because my wife is from there, my second wife, and uh, our, um, we uh, we have a daughter who we adopted uh, about five years ago when she was nine. Uh, we, we brought her over from India, and um, and my wife being from Chicago, we we uh, ended up getting her into a a school situation uh, in the Chicago area that now we can't leave because there's just some great opportunities for her and her education uh, based on the school system we're in. So I guess my personal life in some ways has steered me into Chicago, uh, while my business life is mainly still here in Ithaca. And, uh, you know, we've embraced uh, technology and are actually looking to embrace a lot more technology. We use things like ScheduleFly, which is a, a big tool for us, you know, using the the, uh, the fly notes for the manager's log, which is uh, a great tool. And, you know, um, you know, I communicate with the restaurant on a daily basis, whether it's, you know, through schedule fly, telephone calls, text messages. Um, so, 
you know, there's a way in which uh, I've been dialing it in a little bit uh, from afar the past few years, um, and there've been some personal things that have actually really kept me away. Last year, I had a, a we had a, a very sick family member in Chicago, and I ended up doing a lot of caregiving for him, and uh, it did pull me away from Maxie's a little bit too much. So now I'm trying to make up for lost time, spending more time here now. And uh, my daughter's getting older, getting ready to go to high school, and she doesn't need my attention quite as much on site. So, you know, the long distance thing is certainly a challenge, uh, but it's been great uh, for developing a management team that can make decisions on their own. Uh, they can spread their wings. You know, years ago, sometimes when I was here, uh, they would they'd get tired of me being around a little too much. Like, okay, chick, you go away now. And uh, let us do our thing, and uh, it was it was an interesting process because I I think I learned to let go of control enough to mm. uh, allow people to flourish under me. Because uh, I think in the beginning, uh, when we started the restaurant, I, I wanted to make everything perfect all the time, and and there was a way in which it would kind of stress me out, I guess, because I would I would be here and I would see everything. And as I stepped away from the day-to-day, I actually realized I'm seeing a lot more because I'm seeing more of the big picture instead of the details. Mm-hmm. I'm letting the, letting the managers handle the details and the day-to-day operation. I'm kind of steering the ship, uh, you know, from the helm. And uh, it, it really does work. It's, it's really interesting and fascinating that, uh, that we can do it from afar. Um, but but I, what I, one thing I, I definitely realized is that if I'm, if I'm not here enough, it's hard to implement change. And uh, so I'm I'm really digging in now and looking at new technologies and new things. And we've been here 18 and a half years in a lease situation in our building, and we finally uh, negotiated a purchase of the building. And our where our landlord is going to become our bank. He's going to become our, our our mortgage holder instead of our landlord. And, hmm. uh, and so we're excited after you know 18 and a half years that we're going to be able to start putting a, a new investment into the project that we just weren't uh, weren't. Uh, able to justify as as our lease was running down we only have about you know six and a half years left on our lease and there's some improvements we'd like to make and it's going to be a much better financial situation long term to be able to make these improvements here and own the building so um i don't know i i think i went on a bit of a tangent but uh no 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 man that's good that's good yeah. stuff i mean that's, that's good stuff that's, coming um, in. okay yeah no it's fantastic in fact i want to okay well first of all I want to tell people that I, you, you, thank you for mentioning Schedule Fly, and that certainly um, is not something that uh, is, is you know uh, um, something that I asked Chick to do or, or would ask any of our podcast guests to do. So I appreciate that. Um, I want to actually ask you uh, on that note, since you did mention our company, but there's a lot of other really good technologies in the restaurant space now, and particularly in your situation, and a lot of uh, owners that have you know multiple locations, maybe in different towns or. Uh, that are spread out. W- what are some of the other good technologies? Let's let's have a chance to uh, we'll, you know we'll, we'll kind of promote some other folks. What are some other good ones that you like that you guys use that are useful and and help uh, <clears throat> help you run the business better? Well, you know the number one technology, which it, you know it's self evident now, and people almost might think it's funny, but the first thing that it allowed me to not have to be here all the time was the cell phone. I mean, just mm. the phone itself was like yeah. You know they were you know not everyone had one in their hand. 20 years ago, you know, and uh, that was the first thing that allowed us to get away, of course, be able to be reachable anywhere, uh, anywhere in the world, you know, just about. I mean, there's definitely some places where we're unreachable on our cell phones, but that was the first thing. And then, you know, I think the the second thing was, um, 
you know, I mean, obviously, you know, even when we started back 20 years ago, not everybody had point-of-sale systems. I mean, it's amazing. You know, we use PositTouch at Maxis now, and we used uh, HSI before that. And I'm looking forward uh, looking into uh, Revel and um, uh, uh, more of a cloud-based platform uh, and such because of the, the, the integration with apps and things that uh, can be used uh, uh, for, you know, ordering uh, people can order from their phones and things like that. We're not embracing those things yet at Maxis, but I'm actually looking at those things. But I think, you know, the number one thing for me, because I, as an operator, I'm also, uh, I'm also the, you know, the, the guy that's also looking at the books and the numbers that, uh, you know, we use QuickBooks online and we've used QuickBooks from the start, but as soon as it became something that was online, we, we embraced that right away. Um, my sister Karen, who is uh, my partner in the business as well, and the one that I mentioned was here two days a week, she does all of our books. And uh, you know, the, the minute she updates anything on on QuickBooks, um, you know, I see it. I can you know I can look at our our P and L on a uh, you know weekly basis, and and we've also you know we we download a, a weekly tool off of that, which I think is a really important tool, and I've shared this with a lot of other restaurant tours that I know. Um, we we do a weekly um, cost of goods and labor analysis, and it's our basic uh, it's, it's basically our our, our basic re weekly report card uh, that we give to our whole management team that shows what our sales were for the week, and uh, we uh, you know have our sales broken down by food food and beer wine and liquor, and we actually separate our oyster sales because we do a, we do a lot of oysters at our oyster bar and we kind of run that cost separately, and we because we run discounts and promotions on it, so we just kind of we pull it out of our food costs so we can look at it separately. And then we uh you know, we have merchandise and, and some other small categories. But um but that way we're looking at our cost of goods every week and we're looking at our labor every week. And I think that's something that I've that I've met a lot of great uh people in the restaurant industry who, who really run a great uh, operation from the customer's point of view, but they have a financial problems and um Having a, a tool that allows you to see your, your your prime cost, your food, you know, your cost of goods, and your labor every week, um, and watching that, um, I think is a key to running a profitable operation. And I, and that's a you know, I mean, it's a real simple cell spreadsheet that we just we pull the num our numbers weekly. And what I I do is we compare our weekly numbers uh, to the week the same week the year before and the previous year, and then we I actually look back two years, so I compare our numbers for this week. To uh, last last year, the same you know whatever the 20th week of the year, or the, I guess it's about you know almost the 25th week of the year right now, or halfway through the year, we we compare last June the same week to uh, this year and then the year before. So we look at our sales and our costs for those weeks, and then I do a quarter to date, and then I do a year to date. So we're looking at three columns for three years every week. So we can look at we can see the trends. We can see if our you know. If our costs of goods are, are climbing, or our labor is climbing, or you know, are we doing a good job? Or are we hitting our goals? And and I think that weekly report card is like that's one of the best tools for financial management of a business uh, that we've that we have implemented. And we started that from day one. I actually picked that up from uh, some operators in Chicago that I worked for when I first came out of school. I lived in Chicago for a few years. Uh, managing some restaurants, and I started getting this weekly report card, and I loved it. I was like, this is great. You know, you can. I mean, you you know if there's something going on with your food costs, and you can look right at it. You know, you one week something jumps, you're like, oh well, maybe we messed something up and we miscoded it. But let's take a look, and if it's jumping week after week, it's like, well, what's going on here? You know, like something's happening that's not right because you know we're 
we're jumping in this category and, and we shouldn't be or or um or you know, I can look at it and be like, you know, our our sales are trending down a little bit here, you know, uh and our labor's trending up, you know, maybe we're over maybe we're overstaffed a bit, you know. Um or and, and it also it's a great tool because our our managers get really used to the, the trends in the business because they see they see what's happening and and uh they know you know, they can plan. They're like, well, look at these sheets from last year and look at the sales we were doing last year. And, you know, this is this is a time of year where we, you know, we need to cut back a little bit on the on the front of house staff or we bring people in a little bit later because the business is coming in later and such. So just tracking that stuff is uh, is really important. And, uh, you know, it's simple stuff, but, man, it makes a big difference. And, you know, if you don't own your prime costs, you don't own your cost of goods and your labor, you don't own your restaurant. Hmm. So that's... That, that's a big thing here. Um, other technologies, you know, we're we're uh, moving in that direction. I'm I'm really looking at things. We've noticed that uh, we we do a call ahead seating. We don't typically do reservations, and we've been using a manual system uh, for uh, uh, doing this call ahead and our our waiting list and such. And I'm actually currently looking at uh, uh, things, but I can't really endorse them yet because I haven't used them. Um, yeah. We're, you know, there there are systems now where, you know, we've we got some guests that are totally happy to come in and have to wait a half hour for a table and sit at the bar and get a drink and some oysters, and then people come out with their families and uh, and they want to be able to sit right away, so they'd like to be able to you know use their phone, you know, either call in or use an app on their phone and be able to just walk in the door and know exactly what time to walk in the door and be able to sit down. So those are the things we're starting to embrace, but we haven't we haven't. I'm actually doing the research on that now to to bring that in. And um, but other things we use, you know, we've used Constant Contact for years. We're getting ready to actually switch over to Mailchimp uh, for our uh, email marketing, um, and we're using. Um, well, we just started using, implemented a few months ago, uh, Capsule, which is a, a CRM uh, system or a customer relationship yeah, CR- sure. system. Uh-huh. So we're using so Capsule. Um, what we're doing is we're actually working uh, on building a database and capsule of all of our contacts for the business. And uh, actually right now I actually have an iPad coming today for the host stand where we're going to add capsule to it so our hosts can take our comment cards that are coming in from our guests and enter their information in uh, and thank them for coming into the restaurant, thank them for making comments, and invite them to uh, uh, come back maybe uh, say, hey, thanks for coming in tonight. You know, We'd love to see you again soon. Uh, you know, we'd love to buy you a dessert on your next visit, something like that. Um, and these are things that are in process right now. And we're also going to uh, hopefully be able to add that an app, like I was talking about, for uh, the you know uh, table management as well as uh, uh, for guests to get on our what was it used to be called call ahead seating, but it might be a uh, a text ahead or a uh, an app of sorts that allows people to get on our waiting list from afar. Um, and the uh, but the other thing that this, the, the capsule uh, is very interesting. We're we're actually looking at going to an electronic comment card too. So we're going to experiment with that on our iPad starting in the next few weeks. Uh, so we're building um, uh, comment cards through uh, I think Wufu. Uh, we haven't really used it yet, but it's like a, an online survey company that you can that integrates with Capsule, and uh, you can grab this information. Uh, from uh, from the comment cards, and then you can you know build bring people into your database, and uh, and uh, you know get get real time feedback. I, I've been told that uh, electronic comment cards, like using a tablet, 
uh, at the table will will result in about uh, an 80 percent response rate versus like a 15 or 20 percent on a on a paper comment card. People are somehow uh, more likely now to uh, to give you their feedback if you hand them a tablet uh, and ask them for you know how was my meal tonight? How was how'd you rate your food, your service? You know. You know, speed of service. Uh, you know, any comments for us? And at the same time, we're using that as a marketing opportunity to gather information from people. And we're going to actually, we're, we're looking at rolling out a, a rewards program through this whole capsule database as well. Um, so, uh, you know, we're using. You know, we're, we're actually at this point right now where I'm really moving forward on embracing technology. Um, after 18 years, and uh, you know, I mentioned the past year or so, I had a, a lot of family issues going on. And I wasn't here as much, and I. And in the meantime, I saw what was going on in the world, and I really it was interesting because this past election kind of opened my eyes to how technology is being used to market, and uh, how you know I read articles about how uh, this company called Cambridge Analytics was uh, employed by the Trump campaign, and how they were able to drill down into Facebook uh, psychographics to actually like send out messages to particular people. So we're actually using Facebook now and we're we're building up our likes and our follows on Facebook and we're we're experimenting with you know what what does the Maxi's customer base enjoy on Facebook and you know they're engaging with us on on cultural things. They're engaging with us on um uh music. They like music. We do live music in the restaurant here. Uh they're engaging us on like interesting stories, but really what they really love, they love the behind the scenes stuff in the restaurant. Uh, they love, mm. uh, they love, uh, you know, like we we bought new tabletops last month, and I took a picture of the guy that showed up to deliver the tables, and uh, the driver came in with the truck, and then we we had a you know a bunch of us were unloading the tables, and we stacked them up, and I took some pictures, and I took pictures of our maintenance man with his drill putting the tables together, and and you know some of the staff, and it was just it was you know it made our restaurant look different because we went from a black tabletop to a a cherry tabletop, so it actually like did change the look of our restaurant significantly. So it was kind of this neat little upgrade that we did. And we kind of, you know, we just put on Facebook, hey, this is what's going on at Maxi's Day. We got our new tabletops. We're really excited about them. And, and people were like, that's cool. You know, they were, they were liking it and stuff. And then we had a picture uh, last week. We did a big uh, catering event for Cornell uh, for their reunion. Cornell University is here in Ithaca, so we do a lot of business with them. And every year we do this uh, really fun picnic for the, the Johnson School. It's a business school, the MBA school at Cornell. And uh, we we did a, we had a picture of the staff that worked that party. There were like ten or twelve of them, and it was funny because we you know some of the, you know we're not a catering operation, we're a restaurant. So when we have big catering events, we we call some of our old staff who don't work here anymore. Some of them become nurses, some of them are, are stay-at-home moms, or you know they've got other careers, but they're happy to like come back to Maxie's and jump in and, and make some good cash for a f- you know a few hours work every once in a while. And uh, so we had this picture, and it had my uh, both of my sisters, my sister that works here, and my other sister who came down from Buffalo to help with the event, and it had uh, several of our our team members from uh, that you know have worked here 10 years ago, and they're still like coming back and helping us with catering events, maybe even longer than that, maybe 15 years ago. Some of these people, and there were like five or six people that don't work here anymore who are in the picture, and you know we put that up online and said, hey, look, is this really 2017? I said, you know, and I thanked all the people and tried to tag them. And then uh, it was like our one of our biggest, you know, hits on Facebook ever. People, it was We were getting all these f- former staff members that are living all over the country and all over the world. They were chiming in and, you know, saying how happy they were to see everybody and sharing the Maxi's love and all this. And it was, it was fun because, you know, you, 
I think you know the fun part for me in the business is, and, and what's becoming fun in, in the social media aspect, which I was kind of not hip to, and I don't know how hip I really am, but I'm I'm trying to figure it out. Is that it's uh it's it, you know connecting with people and, and building culture and 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 what I realized about social media in the past year, and I was kind of slow to pick up on this, is that you know Maxie's we always believed in the word of mouth. We're we're always here saying you know. You know, just show our guests a great time. Make sure they leave delighted. You know, be very aware and pay really close attention to how people are enjoying themselves or not enjoying themselves, if the case happens to be that way, and get in there with them and talk about it and and solve the problems and make them happy so that when they walk out the door that they are ambassadors of Maxis. You know, that's what we've always believed in, and, and, and that will never go away. That's absolutely so important to us. But the other thing that I've learned is that word of mouth isn't what it used to be. Word of mouth is online. You know, so you, you kind of got to participate uh, in, you know, I mean, word of mouth is changing. Word of mouth is, you know, maybe it's another word for it, you know, in the social media world. But there's a way in which, especially younger people, you know, I'm I'm getting close to 50 now, but, you know, a lot of our staff are in their early 20s. And, uh, um, you know, they're... You know, a friend of mine called it. Everybody's hand facing. You know, they got they got they're looking at their hands because they got their their phone or their small yeah. tablet in their hand, and right and they're they're commun- That's where they're communicating. You know, and, and the marketing messages need to be really concise because they don't want a lot of words. You know, texting is a big thing, and and uh, but but it's um you know what I realized is like I was like I thought you know I was like oh social media that's a bunch of noise. You know, I don't have time for that and this. And I'm like, but you gotta meet people where they are. You know, that's where they are. You know, so. So we're having fun with it and uh <clears throat> learning how to use it in a way that uh um that we can, you know, we can we can actually target specific groups. We can we can actually, you know, target, you know, I went to the hotel school at Cornell where I can target the hotel school on Facebook. Uh, students in the hotel school and say, hey, we're going to have a hotel school night down at Maxie's. You know, get down here and we're going to, you know, give you guys half-price oysters all night or whatever it might be and just say you're from the hotel school or show this uh, promotion on your phone that you got on, on Facebook or something like that. And uh, uh, it's just, it's really interesting. It's like, a, it, to me, it's like a fascinating new world of marketing that's available uh, to reach uh, to reach out to specific people with specific things they might be interested in, you know. Um so it's, it's uh, I think it's pretty fascinating, but I'm, I'm really learning about it. So, but I, I've really come around on embracing technology in the past year, and now we're really going to start experiment. I mean, we're already experimenting with some things, but like I said, we're bringing in, we're bringing in some new things. You know, we don't have an iPad at our host stand now, but we will now, and um, you know, we'll start you know rolling through the capsule and the electronic gift cards, and you know, bringing in a table management software and a, and a you know a way to, for people to get in line on our our list. So. I'm real excited about it. I think it's it's a lot of fun and and uh, you know trying these new things. Uh, you know the old. It's funny because some, someone was laughing the other day. A buddy of mine who's helping out with some things here. He said, uh, you know, there's a. Uh, um, he goes, you, you're kind of an anomaly. You know, usually it's not the old the old guy from Chicago coming in. It's usually the guy saying, "Don't change anything." You're the guy that's coming in and being like, "Come on, guys, let's change it." You know, like I'm, I'm trying to get the get the young people enthused to change, and, uh, and it's it's kind of funny to be the person that I that's in the organization who's the oldest who is here trying to figure out all this technology and stuff. I, I was like, I was always hoping maybe like one of my 20 year olds would, <laughs> would want to, you know, educate me, <laughs> but uh, I'm educating myself and bringing it back to them. So it's just kind of funny. Well, that's awesome. I mean, that's, that's what you, you've, so, I mean, you've gone and perhaps it is from having time away from the business and time to reflect. And you, you know, you said that when you, <clears throat> 
not there uh, as much now. It gives you a better sense of the big picture. So you've really embraced, you know, the next um, next life cycle of of Maxis with through technology and new ways to engage your audience and uh, make the restaurant run more efficiently and and um, enable your staff to uh, connect with folks easier and connect with you. So these are these you know our technology at ScheduleFly and whoever else is are, are all good ways to, you know, hopefully make a business run a little smoother and, and, uh, and certainly some of the, the customer facing ones, you know, engage the audience. Um, and they're yeah, awesome. I think, I, I, I think the, what's interesting to me is that I was a bit resistant, although we were using technology along the way. I, I actually, it was funny because I, uh, I was pushing for ScheduleFly for quite some time before I can get my managers to buy into it. I was like, you know, this guy, guys, this thing is ScheduleFly is going to save you a lot of headaches. I mean, I could see right, you know, when I when I started reading about it and you know, I went to your website and I saw some of the videos about how it worked and such. I was like, wow, this is like a great tool because, you know, people. I feel like the, the big thing ScheduleFly does from a staffing point of view is um, it gives the uh, staff more autonomy and control over their schedule. Uh, in a way that you know we still can decide who's allowed to pick up shifts or this and that. Someone's not ready for something or another. But but the big thing is that the, the way that they have more uh, responsibility for it actually empowers them to be more responsible about it. And um, and in what I've told my managers, which has proven to be true, our, our you know our, our management team is dealing with a lot less uh, miss shifts or last minute changes. Uh, you know people are getting their own shifts covered. Um, you know, things like that that are just like, wow, like those types of headaches just add so much stress when you're getting ready to open and you find out somebody's not going to make it for whatever reason where these people are, you know, our staff is now like taking a lot more responsibility in that area because we they have this tool and they feel more responsible for it, you know. And uh, I think that's that's been huge. Well, what you know, what we always hope is that, that like what we provide – take something that used to take a lot of time and, and effort and ha- cause headaches and stuff and just make that process smoother so that you guys can focus on, you know, more important stuff. You don't want to be dealing with coming in and opening a restaurant and going, oh, my gosh, so-and-so can't make it. I've got to call 15 people and try to get them <laughs> that's, in. Yeah, you, that's you, exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's, that's what I hope our technology does. But let me ask, so let me ask you this. What um, These are – so the, these technologies are, are great because they help in a lot of ways. But the um, – the flip side is there, there's things about the restaurant business that, you know, have never changed and won't ever change, um, it, which is providing a great experience and providing uh, not only great food but great ambience and, uh, you know, great service and so on and so forth. Um, I hear, Chick, a lot now. I'm just curious your thoughts. I'm hearing a lot of folks telling me a lot of folks, specifically a lot of independent restaurant owners, telling me that they're really struggling now to find, uh, you know, that as one guy said recently, he said, and this may just be market specific, but I I seem to hear this in a lot of markets. But he said, Will, labor is at at DEFCON 4 right now. I can't find anybody that's willing to work hard. What what are your thoughts on that? Are you guys still able to find good people willing to work hard, willing to earn their stripes, you know, not expecting uh, to, to kind of have them right on the, you know, front end of the you know, day one, but but willing to come in and, and put forth some effort and be part of a you know sort of a, uh, the bigger picture um, and focused on you know helping making the business great, or, or tell me what's going on with that for you. 
I think, you know, we've been struggling, and I think, you know, when I look back at some of the struggles we've had the past few years, uh, I would say that the biggest thing has been uh, a lack of applicants um, that makes the labor pool smaller. Uh, Ithaca is, uh, in Tompkins County, New York, up here in central New York, is actually consistently, I think, since the entire time Maxie's been in business, maintains the lowest unemployment rate in the state. So we've always had a tight labor market here. No matter if there's a boom or a bust in the economy, it seems that labor is always tough in Ithaca. Uh, tight. You know, it's a tight market. Um, the interesting thing is that there's a lot of interesting people in Ithaca, uh, which makes it challenging, too, because we like to hire interesting people to work for us who are interesting and have active lives. And you know, have a, We tend to like hire people that have a lot going on because they're just kind of the interesting personalities that bring enthusiasm to the table. So it's always been challenging, and I would say, you know, if anything, I, I do feel that the last couple of years has been really challenging on the labor front, particularly back a house, and I, I understand it's a national phenomenon now. Um, New York did something last year. They they raised the minimum wage on tipped employees. They raised it from five five to seven fifty an hour, which cost my business, you know, if you just looked at the the wage increase, was about fifty grand. Uh, of uh, increased wages because of this minimum wage change. Now, when that happened, I was like, "Wow, this is this is tough because our industry is, you know, from from a full service point of view in our casual dining segment, you know, we're you know the the big money's going to servers and bartenders already. Now we're giving them a raise. If we want to, if we want to, you know, make up, if we want to keep our costs in line." with this raise, we either need to start doing more business right away or raise prices. And if I raise prices, I'm going to just give my front of house people another raise because we're not allowed to tip out the kitchen, um, which I don't know if that's a federal law or if it's just a New York state law. Uh, but, you know, in New York, I think it's a New York law where if you don't spend 80% of your workday in customer engagement or 80 or 90, some high, high percentage, you're not allowed to get a piece of the tips. So, um, so this whole, you know, it's interesting because, you know, Danny Meyer, I'm sure you know about the Union Square Hospitality yeah. Group, and he's going he's going to this uh, hospitality included no tipping policy. Um, I think, you know, yeah, and he's doing it largely to address, I believe. I mean, he's he feels that tipping is is a, a relic of the past, and is I think he calls it a barbarous relic, barbarous relic, or or something like that. I heard him say something about it, but uh, but the idea that it was. Um, and don't quote me on that one. I don't think I don't want to put words in Danny's mouth. But uh, but his his point, one of the points I heard him say was because I got more culinary institute and more more culinary trained professionals in my dining rooms than I do in my kitchens. You know, he goes because you know the the way the 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 the, uh, the model, the business model, in the restaurant business works is you know the the front of house is making a lot more money, and now we got a state coming in telling us we need to pay them more. So what it forced us to do was pay them more, and then we had to. We immediately gave a bump to all of our kitchen people because it just became, it just was you know like well we've got to stay competitive for the kitchen help and you know and how demoralizing is that you know the, for, the state's forcing a raise on on the front of house we got to do something for our our staff in the back of house and um, so I think you know I, I think that's one of the issues is the, is the back of house decline in interest of working in kitchens uh, seems to be a big thing uh, but as far as you know. Yeah, I would say yeah. One of the, you are competing for, and I, we've always felt that we've been competing for staff. I mean, we, you know, in Ithaca with our restaurant here, Ithaca's got a nice. It's a it's a great little town. It's a college-driven town, but we also have a great tourism uh, thing going on here. 
and it's a great local community as well. And I think, you know, the general feel in the restaurant market here is there's, there's a lot of very passionate people in the business, and uh, we all kind of are in it together. I mean, in some ways we're competing, but in some ways we're all kind of working together to make Ithaca a great destination and a great dining town and a great place to live. And um, uh, But I think one, one place that we're competing is uh, is for labor. But, you know, I've had, I have a number of friends in the restaurant business here, and, you know, we've kind of had some agreements not to ever steal, you know, come in and actively, uh, uh, you know, we, we wouldn't actively uh, uh, recruit each other's staff to, you know, but we would certainly, you know, I, I don't feel bad if someone wants to leave one of my, one of my friend's restaurants and they want to come work at Maxie's instead, I feel that, you know, there's license to do so, but we also check references and stuff. So those conversations come up, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a tight market. I think that's, that is one of the biggest challenges, uh, in the business. Uh, but there's great people out there. And I think, you know, back to embracing technology again, what I'm realizing is we're embracing technology is that it's pulling the man, you know, we can use technology to kind of pull the managers and the management team and the staff kind of out of the weeds a little bit. So if we can if we can implement the, these tech, technological tools that will save us time and headaches and save us on repetitive, maybe unnecessary communications to solve problems that we could maybe solve with technology, it's my feeling that then we can spend our time doing what we're best at, which is, you know, like you said, the food, the drink, the experience, the thing that don't, don't ever change in the restaurant business. But most importantly in that, I think, are the are culture building and really engaging with your staff and your guests on a level where you're, where you're feeding them. And for me, you know, and I go back to, like, it's interesting because some of the challenges we've been experiencing at Maxi's have been due to my lack of engagement because I've been afar. But not only was I afar, I was distracted with other personal matters and family matters. But I also had myself a bit uh, taken away from the restaurant because I was on a, a bit of a spiritual pursuit. And our house, uh, I mentioned we have a house in the mountains outside of Asheville. And um, it's where my wife and I met at a meditation retreat. And I spent many years, I, I still am a daily meditator. I, I go in, go inward and I sit with myself daily and kind of observe my thoughts and uh, tap, kind of tap into the source of what, you, what Albert, or, uh, yeah, Albert Einstein would call the unified field. Uh, I guess spiritual people might call it God or consciousness or other things, but there's a way I've learned to, to tap into the depth of, of my being through meditation, and I did a lot of that for years, uh, maybe to some degree to the to to uh, uh, to the detriment of uh, some of the some of my outer life, uh, and including my business, and, and as I got pulled pulled away a bit. Um, but now what I'm realizing is I'm, I'm able to re-engage with the business. I'm, I've kind of come out of my cave of meditation. I'm still doing it daily, but I'm not, uh, I'm not as inward. I've, I've brought myself back outward, and I'm doing this uh, level of communication where I'm able to, you know, back to my point about the technology and, 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 and building the culture, is that the most important thing for us to do is communicate uh, with other human beings, I think, in life, and life's all about relationships with people. So I'm bringing that back into my business at a new level it's always been there but now i've 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 been able to tap in in a way that is uh uh really deep in allowing me to um engage with people to help them tap into the the creativity and the and the place in, in themselves where where there's just so much you know creativity and you know for lack of a better word love to to share with other people and i've been talking more about sharing sharing and spreading the maxi's love and uh and, and that's really what we're doing here now is we're we're tapping in, I think, because of, of some of the work I've done, and we're able to find the 
people better. It's like you're almost like creating a space uh, in the environment for uh, good things to happen if you're not caught up in fear and stress and anxiety about the day-to-day operations, but you're you're running it well, you're embracing the tools, you're making changes, you're moving forward, and, uh, and it gives you more time to focus on those relationships. And uh, that's how that's how we're going to continue to move forward and compete for the help uh, by creating an environment where it's a fulfilling experience to work here, and um, they feel that they get more than a you know more than the satisfaction of being on a team that's winning uh, and making you know making good money, uh, getting well compensated and taking home a paycheck, but they're also getting a little bit of uh, a, a nudge in the direction of really having a great life and tapping into their creativity and and getting the flow going and getting love moving through them in a way that our guests feel it, they feel it, and they go home every day feeling a little bit more fulfilled, a little bit happier, a little bit freer from their own uh, stresses and strains of their life. And, and that's, you know, in a way uh, I've, I've kind of become uh, the, my own uh, 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 you know, kind of a, a psychotherapist or a spiritual leader in my organization because I'm 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 finding that I'm finding this thing in myself that I'm able to share with others and I think it's having an effect and I think it's drawing it's drawing more um, open, creative, and interested people uh, to our organization. So I think it, it it becomes a you know I think your your main question about you know staffing and, and such it really becomes a um, a situation where how are you going to compete for those staff? And yes, you want to have good benefits, and yes, you want to be a good place to work, and yes, you want to uh, be, you know, give people good compensation and benefits and stuff. But if you really, really want to compete, you got to make people's lives better. And I'm really trying to go to the depth with my people in a way that doesn't intrude on them, but it, it enthuses them, because everybody's got that enthusiasm in them. And I think if if you can help people tap into it. Uh, they can bring great things to the table, and they feel great about what they're doing, and they just feel happier. And in uh, so much of it in our world today, and the chaos we see in our world, and the, the anxiety, and the stress, and the fear, and the trouble, and the you know, right down to wars, comes down to this fear. People are uh, are, are full of fear, large. I, I don't know why, but related to stress, and uh, they're they're. Uh, they're being paralyzed. They're not. They're not able to follow their real, the real heart, their heart's desire. And I think if if you can, if you can tap into the depth and and do a little work and a little reflection on yourself and watch what's going on in your mind, and you can figure out that your mind is just, it's it's it, it can be it can either be something that you are a slave to, or you can use it as a tool. And uh, the mind is a very active thing, and a lot of people are getting stressed out by thoughts like, oh, I don't know if I should do this. Oh, I don't know. I'll, I'll probably fail. Maybe I won't be successful. Um, you know, um, everybody told me I wouldn't be good at that. You know, all these, like, negative thoughts, negative self-impression, uh, negative ideas. Oh, you know, oh, I don't know if I can trust that person. You know, whatever it might be. And then the, the flip side is, like, in your heart, you like, you really know what feels good. So if you can tap into what really feels good and just kind of lean in that direction and start maybe make taking a taking a step forward on what your heart's telling you to do you can start realizing those thoughts are just a story and the story's got to go away you know it's a it, that's just the past that's you just you know thinking about the past and projecting on the future so i mean i'm taking this conversation in a direction you probably never expected. well <laughs> no man i mean this is that's awesome you know there was a um 
there's a guy, there's a, a restaurant owner out in San Francisco. I, I interviewed on the podcast about a year ago, and he uh, he got into this a little bit and said, you know, you can basically you can live in love or you can live in fear, and and you know we we choose love. That's and, right. Um, yeah, because he was. Yeah, I mean, it's really uh, it does boil down to that. Um, I've actually written about this on on our, our blog before about um, about fear. Fear is a powerful um, emotion, and, and we don't. And it is it's one of those things where when you strip down, and this is what you've done, and you've learned through meditation. I don't meditate. I should. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about it. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and hear a lot of folks that I admire that, that meditate, and then clearly you're very centered and balanced because of that. Uh, and you have a good sense of what's important. Fear is um, behind so many decisions, as you alluded to, when you really, you know, when you kind of ask, there's a little saying I always use, ask why like a five-year-old. So if you keep asking why, yeah, but why? Yeah. But, you yeah, know, right. so somebody wants to, well, I don't know if I want to, but why? Well, so they can kind of like get through one level, a quick, easy explanation, which is what sort of they want to project to the outside world. But then the next, yeah, but why? Well, then it gets a little bit tougher to answer that second level of why. And then the third level of why is where you really get into, well, basically it comes down to fear uh, a lot of times while we don't do, you know. Yeah, and what, you know, fear's, I've, fear's good. We're, it's, you know, we're, it's fight or flight, right? We're wired. I mean, it's it's a, it's a healthy thing to have yeah. uh, well, fear right. for certain things, but but it's it's learning to channel the fear in the right direction and and the the love if you will and the and the right and so we've we've kind of you know i think you know as a society and, and, and i mean i don't know maybe it's here maybe it's really around the world probably people are just you know in the modern world you don't really know what to fear and there's so many choices and things now so it's hard so the to 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 you know live in that kind of fear is is almost a a natural state of, of being, I think, and uh, and it, and it can un- be healthy a, in some I, ways. But I think you're saying a lot of right things, but I think it's an unnatural state of being. I think that that's the problem is that it, it, we it, and it may be ingrained in our physiologies through our DNA and our culture and such. But yeah. I, I think it's an actually an unnatural thing. <laughs> I think it's you know it, it, or, or we need to overcome. Like maybe it's natural because it was like instinctual from us being. Well, it's like you know, from, so you don't want to get animal. killed by the tiger. Yeah. Right. Right. Right, exactly, and you needed it. You know, right. you needed it to stay alive, but we don't need it to stay. Like, I don't need to be fearful all day to stay alive. But the problem is, too, not to get too far off to the <laughs> off of the restaurant stuff, but but it it, it is uh, we're surrounded by you. Part of what you alluded to earlier, so we can kind of bring this back to technology, is that we are staring at our hands all the time. We have information at our fingertips all the time. And, and fear is a, a, you know, fear spreads, right? So, I mean, the media and every, every you know, it, it, it you, get, you get people's attention when you spread fear, right? right. So uh, it's and, much and there's easier a lot more to tell. Fear my, spread, there's a lot more fear spreading than love spreading going on on the news. And stuff, that's right. You know? That's right. So, well, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> I talked to my kids about this yesterday. I said, I, you know, I, I, don't like to, I don't like to watch the news because all it is is, uh, is negative stuff. And, and, you know, they know that it will capture your attention, but it kind of gets to you after a while. So, well, let me let me ask you this, Chick. So, you've come. Uh, I mean, you've been in this business for a long time, and you've come um, quite a way, uh, personally and professionally, uh, in your in your history in in this business. Um, what what are the things that you know? We've talked about a lot of things that have changed in eighteen years. What hasn't changed about the restaurant business? Um. You know what hasn't changed. Is, I mean, it's, it's what you said earlier. It, it, it's a it's a business that is all about, you know, 
showing people a good time. I mean, I, I've told our staff since day one that people come to Maxie's to feel good. There's a lot of good restaurants in Ithaca. There's a lot of good places to get a good meal. There always have been as long as we've been in business. But the number one thing for us is people come here to feel good, you know, and, and that hasn't changed. People want to feel good, you know. Um, you know, it, it, it's funny, you know, and, and I just want to make one more point on that, that fear thing too because I think it was important that what I've been telling my team here is like, you know, let's not be, a, you know, let's screw some stuff up. That's why I tell them, like, let's, let's go out and make some new mistakes. Yeah. Because I yes. think if if we embrace the idea that it's okay to make mistakes and that we're going to make mistakes and that those mistakes are going to lead to better solutions, that really helps you make some good decisions and overcome the fear if you can follow the heart and do that. But I'm sorry, but I just want to make that point because I thought it was important because I, I think it's it's resonating with my team that uh, that you know let's you know and I think another point was too with when when there's resistance to change. Uh, which, which I think is a really important point is, is, is being able to tell my team is like, you know, everything that we do here, everything we do here at Maxi's uh, that you see, every every one of our recipes, every drink recipe, every food recipe, the way we roll up our silverware, the way we put them on a plate on a table, the way our marketing, our graphics, every policy, every procedure, every little thing we do, you know, where we store the ramekins, you know, whatever it is, like everything we do, we had to invent it all. It, it it wasn't fear that allowed us to open a restaurant. It was our hearts that let us open the restaurant, and we followed our dream. And then we like, and I was like, and we didn't have it all written down and planned out and figured out. We did it, and then we reverse engineered it. You know, we like, I think when when you start something, when you create something, it's like you can't necessarily always start with a blueprint. You get you can start with an idea and move in a direction, and then you can reverse engineer it, turn it into a system. And I think that's an important thing that I've been pointing out to my team is like, you know, when you guys are resistant to changes that we want to do, it's like, remember, don't be afraid to try something. If we didn't try something, we wouldn't even be here. And we tried thousands of things to get where we are now, you know. And I think that hasn't changed in the restaurant business either is because, you know, the, the creativity is such an important part of this business. And uh, and I think, and I think, I think uh, you know, going back to the, the things that haven't changed, uh, people, you know, people want to feel good. People want to have a good meal. People want to feel appreciated. Uh, you know. Uh, well, people, people want to feel appreciated. So does staff. And you see, this is, so it's an interesting thing because, I, I, you know, I interview a lot of restaurant owners and I see sort of two different styles. Um, one is more is sort of a you know sort of a top down, um, you know, this is how we do it, my way or the highway kind of thing more of a controlling style versus um as you you know alluded to earlier and maybe a lot of times it's kind of how you know when you first start a place and you're there all the time and you, you kind of feel like you got to hold on to this thing tight and get everything the way you want it and everything but then you learn to give up control and you're you're sort of failing forward philosophy that you just articulated of you know being okay with mistakes and learning from and and, and helping you know letting those help you grow that's a um you know, again, it's sort of a non-fear-based way of approaching things, which right. gives people the freedom to feel like, okay, it's okay if I screw up. I'm not going to get, you know, yelled at, or even if I get, you know, hey, like corrected or whatever. It's not in a, a negative way. It's like, hey, man, you messed this up. I've messed up too. Here's how we're going to do better going forward, or whatever. You have a, um, in fact, you mentioned. You remind me a little bit with that. Um, 
of uh, and I, I knew you worked with this guy Dave Query uh, out in right. Boulder. Uh, I think you said you had worked with him years ago, but I, I, he was one of the first folks I interviewed um, years a few years ago. But he he seems to have that that style too, and boy, it's worked well. I mean, he's, he's uh, had a lot of success with you know um, having his finger on the pulse of the business, but but giving a lot of autonomy and freedom to his folks to to succeed. Um, it, did you uh, is that something you you learned through working with him or um, uh, yeah, you know, I think, I, think I would say that you know, uh, Dave. When I work, when I work for in Dave's organization, it was it was early on. It was when he had uh, he, Zolo had been open for it was probably the first year, and he was getting Jacks open. I think he had just opened Jacks, so it was his first two restaurants of the Big Red F Group. He had other restaurants before that, I know, but before he really started the group that he has now. And uh, the thing about Dave's group in, in Boulder, you know, Boulder's just an awesome town and a fun place. And there's so yeah. many fun people there. It's got a great culture of active young people and and uh, young young people at, at heart, whether no matter how old they are. And uh, it was an inspiring place to live. But I, I thought the, the greatest thing about Dave and his organization, he ran this sophist- these sophisticated restaurants that were, you know, not super upscale because they're casual, fun restaurants. Uh, and with you know great food, you know he's obviously a great chef, and he's he's got this great back of house culture, and he leads you know he leads the charge and having you know great menus and ongoing changes and specials there. But I, I thought the thing that impressed me most about Dave and his organization that he ran a really sophisticated uh, restaurant group um, that was really run professionally and was really he really did focus on having the best people who were. Mm. Fun people and great hospitality people who enjoyed each other, and uh, I, I think yeah, we definitely took a lot from our experience uh, with with Dave and, and uh, my my ex wife who I started Maxie's with Dave. We um, she worked in Dave's organization as well, so we both got to work for Dave when we were in Boulder, uh, and uh, yeah, there was a uh, um, you know a level of enthusiasm and fun, focus on the guest, but also like the team has to be fun. You know, it's like how can you show how can you really really show the guests a great time um if if the team isn't having a great time doing it and uh but the thing is there's it's a delicate balance because the great time on the team has to be still focused on the guest you know so there has mm-hmm. to be enough interest and seriousness about hospitality and about wanting to show people a great time and about the quality of the food, the service, the product, the ambiance, the environment, and everything you do, all those details. There has to be like, it's like passion mixed with fun. And I think Dave really has that down, you know, and and that's something that we certainly uh, have here at Maxi's too is, you know, it's passion, it's uh, excitement, it's uh, enthusiasm, it's you know the desire to to do fun things and show people a great time, um, and but also being professional and and being serious about showing people a good time. You know, so it's like, you know, we, yeah. we take we take a good time seriously. We take people having fun seriously. So so there's you know so there's a delicate balance of you know the staff's got to make sure they're not having too much fun with each other and 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 taking it you know carrying it away so there's always got to be like the attention on 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 the, the final outcome and the final outcome for me is always like you know how does this affect the guests how does anything that we do any decision we make how does it affect our guest experience you know so that that's really what it comes to and I think Dave was Dave is very focused on that you know and I think all the great operators are you know, especially well, this full, 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 full service restaurant segment where it's like, you know, you're building relationships with people over time and, and you've got to consistently be sure that 
you know, the people are enjoying what they're doing. And but, but it's you know, like I said, you're competing for the staff too, so it's got to be a fun place. They got to enjoy coming to work. You know. You know, um, see a lot of that stuff. I, I actually, I wrote a, uh, I wrote a post the other day on our blog called how to how to get and keep a restaurant job, and uh, and I think it's really true of almost any job. You know, um, when I was a young fella, um, right out of college, I, I had a, you know, I, I mean, I'll readily admit now, I, I had a pretty good sense of entitlement and kind of expected a lot of things to be. Um, given to me before I earned it, and it, it, you know, the workforce will will teach you that lesson pretty quickly. And uh, you know, I really learned to um, that it wasn't about me; it was about the people around me. That's what mattered. So, if you're focused on the guests, if you're focused on your teammates, you know, the guests are going to be happy, your teammates are going to be happy. That's going to make things fun, and then your your personal success is sort of the byproduct. Exactly. Right. So if you're focused, like, yeah. On, if you're focused on you and your success, you're probably going to be unhappy um, a yeah. lot of the times. And uh, yeah, but if you're focused externally, yeah. with sort of that that love, right? So the 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 the, the, the this kind of going back to that, you know, kind of when you're, you're internally focused and, and focused on you and your success. That's again, if you kind of keep asking why, it probably goes back to fear. Where if you're um, really approaching it with that that sense of love, then you're you're focusing on everybody else around you. Your success kind of just comes as a natural byproduct of that. And um, that was kind of my point in that. Like, don't expect things to be given to you. Focus on, like, you know, something bigger, being a part of a team, being a part of a business. Help that business grow, you know, go above and beyond. Uh, Not only just work hard, but, but, you know, work for the people around you, help the people around you, help the business, um, and, 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 you know, wow people every day. Uh, you're going to be happier, and the great thing is you're you're going to be promoted. You're going to get other opportunities. You're going to have more fun. Everything's going to work out well, but it's got to be, you know, that external focus, uh, and and let those other things be the byproduct, not the not the focus. Uh, but it's hard to find. I mean, like that's hard to find, um, and that's the culture you want to embrace, and that's the culture you want to uh, help foster and you know help it thrive. But it seems more and more that um, you know our culture has taught us to be so you know self-centered that uh, I, I just I think that is a, a big challenge and, and continues to be and will continue to be that, that you know to find people that that, that understand that at, a, at an early age and that's the trick right like it took me some time then I figured it out and I went okay this is you know what am I thinking and so but you know it, it the problem with restaurants or the challenge with restaurants is that typically you know a lot of your staff are young and that may not be the kind of told they're special for most of their lives and, uh, you know, learn to have a very self-centered focus. So, you know, it becomes challenging to find people that uh, can get out from under that and uh, learn to look at things, you know, with a different perspective. But I think if you can find those folks, then uh, that's all those other things, you know, the success of the business kind of comes comes with getting folks like that that uh, have that that team focus and that customer focus and things will naturally be fun and, and um uh, Anyway, man, I'm kind of, <laughs> but it, that, that to me uh, is the challenge that I hear a lot, and I, I imagine that um, it, it's it's not an easy one to overcome, but um, but certainly it, it's something that uh, you guys, you as restaurant owners, have to deal with all the time, and I'm just I'm just fascinated with that. I think it's a it's an interesting dilemma um, uh, with our with our culture and with our workforce, um, and restaurants are, are one that 
you know, with with the the typical age of your staff, you guys are at the sort of the epicenter of that. Yeah, I, I think everything you said is totally right. I I agree with all of those things about you know it comes it comes back to I think it's you know if you if you want to be successful if you want to find those people I think you need to lead and the thing is you know I've 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 been telling my, our people I'm like you know um, you know managers don't lead leaders lead you know so I'd like to have leaders in management positions so that the, so that the position manager the boss person, the person in charge, is a leader. And what that leader needs to do is exactly what you were saying earlier, is uh, is support everybody around them, you know. And if they can support in that loving way, man, that leader is going to be appreciated and successful and keep moving forward. So th- that's what leadership is. That leadership is exactly what you said. It's like it's getting away from fear. It's 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 supporting the team. It's supporting your 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 teammates. It's supporting the guest interests. Supporting the interests that the business has, uh, assuming that they are pure and positive, and uh, and the success follows. You know, you don't have to you don't have to worry about success. You have to worry about, you know. Being able to get away, yeah. You know, I mean, it's back to that fear thing. Forget the fear. Lead with the heart. You know, come in, come in, and, and do what you believe in, and support, and, and share the love with people around you, and you'll be successful. The success comes. It's 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 amazing. And uh, but I think you're right. I mean, our, our you know, we're getting wired in the reverse, so we need to just rewire a little bit. And that's where things like meditation or exercise or, you know, whatever type of stress relief that people have is an important thing. And I think, you know, for, you know, for me, for, you know, leading an organization, like you got to take care of yourself, you know. I mean, as I get older, I eat healthier, I drink less, you know. I mean, I don't consider myself a partier anymore, although I did probably, you know, 25, 30 years ago, maybe even 10, 15 years ago. But the more I've taken care of myself as I've gotten older, it's like, man, I want to have a clear mind. I want to have a clear head. I want to wake up in the morning refreshed and ready to go. And um, and what I'm finding is as I do that and as I, you know, lead in that way, and uh, come in and really try to give to the people and teach them to learn and grow, um, you find that the relationships have more meaning in life. Everything in life just is more meaningful when you're really focused on on, on sharing the knowledge or the love or whatever you want to call it, but the way in which you uh, you give to other people um, and doing doing it through the restaurant business, which is our platform, you know, that's, that's our platform of interface for the world, um, you know, the, the way we're going to make it better is by making it better. You know, I mean, we're we're going to make yeah. the world better by making it better. We're gonna we're gonna have more. You know, the only way we can we can shift culture is by more people having conversations like this and sharing this type these type of thoughts with other business owners and and just other people in general. That you know, whatever their their role or their their uh, their. Uh, area of expertise or their career or their life looks like it's 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 conversations like this and, and as much as there's so much you know negativity and chaos out there i think there's a lot of people that are starting to really talk about this stuff and then you're here you're seeing more more and more people engaging uh on these type of issues that really talk about like you know do we want to do we want to create the world that we want to live in or are we going to let someone else with corporate media or whoever it is you know and and uh, you know tell us the way the world's going to be. It's like I want to create my world. I want to I want to be part of creating it. I don't know what it looks like, but I know that the more of myself I put in and, and share with others, the better my world gets. And I, I know it's got to have. And I know it does. I know it has tentacles. Like we, you know, those of us that own a restaurant or manage a restaurant 
or you know, or having our careers in the business, man, the, the more love we put in it, the more of our heart we put in it, the more the more we give uh, through it, um, and it, it becomes it, it energizes. First of all, it energizes you. Like the more, it's like, man, when you when you get when you get that those positive vibes moving through you, it's like it, it, it's like fuel. It just it, it like it just keeps you going, and and it's got tentacles. It reaches through your your culture. It reaches through your organization, through your people, and they reach it through the guests, and it reaches through your your. Uh, you know, your whole marketplace and the, the tentacles just keep reaching out. So just like, you know, we were saying earlier, you say, you know, fear gets spread, fear is spreading. Well, well, the, the opposite of fear can spread too, you know, and it does. And it works the same way. It's like, do you want to be on a vicious cycle or do you want to be on a positive cycle, a virtuous cycle, you know? So we're, we're aiming to, you know, do our little part to make the world as good as we can be by uh, setting a virtual cycle through our restaurant business instead of a vicious cycle. You know, and the thing is, you know, the same thing you say about, you know, personal success in the business by, by going ahead and supporting others and giving and, and uh, not worrying about your own success. The same thing, the financial profits will come too. You know, the more yeah. you, the more, the more of the, that, those positive vibes you put into the business. I mean, you got to be smart. You got to, you, you got to watch your business. You got to look at your food costs, your labor costs, your cost of goods. You got to, you know, price things properly. You got to be the, you got to be relevant in the marketplace with your products and, um, People got to be excited to come in, and you got to you got to do all these operational details properly. But that's kind of you know like service. That's kind of you know uh, uh, I talk to our staff about service versus hospitality. Service is all the nuts and bolts we do. It's our recipes. That's it's our you know our standards of uh, you know how long it takes to make a drink and get it to the table. Um, you know how we seat and greet, and all these you know mechanical processes that you see in our training programs, and all the all the uh, systems that we've built like i call that service and then hospitality is the rest of it it's all heart so you know i ask people when i interview them i said what's most more important service or hospitality and you know they're like huh what do you mean you know service or hospitality and then i kind of tell them well you know hospitality is more like the heart you know danny danny meyer who is one of my heroes uh says you know hospitality is showing others you're on their side and he's like you know 51% of our business is hospitality, 49% service, you know. So it's like 49% is technical. Like we got to be really really good at what what we're doing. So we, you know, we got to like we got to be really good at our our all those mechanical things, the recipes, the training, the, you know, all everything that the guest interacts with from a technical restaurant point of view is got to be great. But that's only 49%. The most important thing is how much we care. You know, how much we 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 focus on the relationship because at the end of the day if the service breaks down we can fix it you know if, if we screw up a dish because you know it got over salted or it didn't go out hot enough or you know we spill a glass of wine in someone's lap or whatever the downfall may be we can fix that we can you know we can come in and fix that make it right not do it again or, or get improving our mistakes um but if the hospitality is broken you're, you're sunk you know if people don't think yeah. you care if if you know if you if you don't you show your guests every day, which means showing your staff every day, because you can't sh you can't have real hospitality unless you've got internal hospitality. You've got to have right. a, 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 an environment that is supportive and cares about people in order to have guests that feel supported and cared about. Because then, you know, hospitality will save will save bad service every time. If you've got good hospitality, and you you made a mistake, like. Good hospitality is going to be aware of it. It's going to acknowledge it. It's going to apologize for it. It's going to solve the problem, make the people happy. You know, so you're going to follow procedures that are maybe even sounding like service steps. But the hospitality really cares. Hospitality is aware enough to know 
that the guest is not having a good time or something didn't go right or is aware enough to know that it's someone's birthday or they like they've got an allergy whatever it might be their preferences hospitality remembers things about people and re- and maintains the relationship service is just the technical stuff we do so when we screw up the service you know people will forgive us for hospitality if they know we cared enough to recognize it and do something about it and make sure that they leave delighted if the hospital service is 100% dead on right all the time, it's perfect. Um, but guests don't feel cared about. You know, it's, it's a cold experience. It's like you know, I say uh, you know, uh, hospitality uh, without service is lame. It's like okay, you've got good hospitality, but you know, I mean, if Maxie's you know screws up every time I come in, it's like well, I guess I can go to Maxie's and get a friend because they're so nice there, but they can't seem to get it right. So you got to have a certain level of service. You got to get that forty nine percent right most of the time in order for people to trust you, right? So you got to be a competent, per- competent business, a competent restaurant. Um, but uh, but I say hospitality or uh, I don't know what I said for hospitality without service. Hospitality without service is lame service without hospitality is cold you know yeah so, so yeah. people have more more compassion for the lame than they do for the cold you know sir you know uh service without hospitality is cold it's like it doesn't feel good it's like you know i could come in i could have a technically great experience the food could be dead on you know the server was there on time every time the drinks came as as they were supposed to everything was perfect but i didn't feel loved i didn't feel cared for i'm more likely to go back in a place where they screwed up but they cared as long as they don't screw up too much because I think well, right. I think hospitality, being the fifty-one percent, also requires a certain level of excellence in your service. You know, I mean, if your service isn't great, you can't have great hospitality because that means you don't care enough about the service. Service is part of the whole whole game. You know. So, well, it's a it's about yeah. I mean, it is a good balance. And you mentioned Danny Meyer, and so I'll I'll just say, I mean, so many folks that I admire, like you, that I talk to, uh, are fans of Danny. And so, folks, if you're listening to this and you haven't read Setting the Table. Uh, Danny's book, I highly recommend it. It's a great book. It's sort of, I mean, it's, I, mean, I can't tell you how many successful restaurant owners I know that, that have read Setting the Table and that have embraced so much of what Danny says. So, um, yeah, it's required which, reading for all my, for everyone that steps yeah, on their management yeah. team here. Yeah. Perfect. It's, 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 and that's, that's also what I hear from a lot of folks again, that, you know, good, successful, independent restaurant owners. Um, that's, that's, that's how they operate. So, uh, well, listen, Chick, I, um, God, I could talk to you all day. I, I have to cut this short for uh, my own purposes. I know you've, you've been uh, so kind with your time. I want you to please, um, if you think about it, let me know next time you're heading to Asheville. I'd love to – I'm about two hours away here in Charlotte. I'd love to come up there and, and, uh, and uh, you know, have, have a glass of wine with you or something. But um, – so we can we can follow with that offline. But uh, tell me yeah, where that'd be can people? My wife and I are heading down in the next few weeks. Maybe we can get together. That'd be nice. Let, you definitely let me know. I mean, I always like an excuse to get up there. Um, what's um, where can people find you? Tell me uh, the Maxis. What's the website? What, where's your Facebook page? Uh, anybody that's listening that you know wants to find, kind of follow up and learn more about what you're doing, where where should they go? Yeah, our website is uh, www.maxis.com. So we're at maxis.com. And uh, we're specifically at the Ithaca link. There's also a Maxi's in Milwaukee uh, that we started 10 years ago that uh, is now a licensing deal. I used to be the uh, one of the partners in the business, but I sold my interest to our chef in Milwaukee uh, years back. And uh, so there are two Maxi's now. And um, we have, uh, I believe we're at Maxi's Ithaca on Facebook, uh, which okay. is a platform that we use quite a bit as well. So, 
And uh, yeah, and if anyone anyone wants to reach out to me and and, and talk to me or have questions, it's chick at maxies dot com is my email. C h i c k at m a x i e s dot com. Uh, be happy to you know follow up with questions or if anyone wants to connect, uh, uh, I can do so through Facebook or uh, my email address. Dude, that's very kind of you, Chick. Uh, and your uh, just your time, uh, your thoughts, your, uh, just man, it was awesome listening to you and hearing. Yeah, you I know, could go on and on with you what all you're day. Doing too, and, you know? <laughs> well, man, it's been a lot of fun. So I I really enjoyed it. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, we appreciate, of course, uh, your business. But I, I certainly appreciate your time and doing this. I know anybody that listens to this will as well. And uh, I, I hope we I hope we talk again soon, man. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, well, it was fun for me, too. I really appreciate uh, being invited to to come on with you and uh, have the conversation. And uh, I look forward to meeting you in person sometime soon. We'll uh, I'll reach out, and uh, maybe we can, like you said, get together in Asheville soon. We'll make it happen, man. Chick, enjoyed it. Uh, enjoy uh, the rest of your day, and good luck to you guys. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk soon, man. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Will. All right, take care. Okay, All right. bye.